Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. So this week on the podcast, we're skipping intro again due to the holidays, and thanks Jeremy and and Vincent for covering last week. So this week I'm taking off and we're going to have a a nice discussion about onboarding developers to the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, and I'm delighted to have a couple of guests that I work with all the time. First, Ahmed Hilharazi, and second, Wes Hackett, both from Madden 365. So thanks guys for doing this, appreciate it. And let's start with Ahmed, why don't you uh, give folks a little bit of uh, background about who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Mohamed Al-Harazi. I'm uh, Egyptian. I just uh, recently joined Athens 365 as a, as a developer, and I recently graduated from UCL uh, with a Master of, uh, of Engineering in Computer Science. Excellent. And Wes, for the two or three people who may not remember, can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, so hi everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm Wes Hackett. I'm a, an Office Apps and Services MVP. I'm in my eighth year uh, and I'm, I'm actually the uh, Chief Technology Officer at Adin365. So I, I, I have the pleasure of working with both Paul and Ahmed on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, it occurs to me, you probably, since you don't do development anymore, it's probably because your MVP is in the wrong category. You should have filled out the form differently so then you could have been a dev like me. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, kind of to- <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they still they still roll me out in front of customers to, to kind of educate them on, on on using all these clever new things like Viva and Viva connections and learning and topics and syntax. So so yes, I, I do I do kind of have a foot in both camps, <laughs> heading up our technology and our consulting experiences. But that's great. I mean, I, I find it really insightful because uh, I get to see where Microsoft's investments go how a customer gets to use them. And I, and I bring that back to the engineering team such as yourselves to add additional capabilities where, where Microsoft haven't yet or aren't planning to. And, and, you know, having a deep technical knowledge is still required because, you know, you and I have to have deep conversations about clever things. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting role. I really, I really do enjoy being the CTO. Yes, and those deep technical conversations, which we have, obviously needs to be related to something tangible. And, and poor Ahmed sits and listens to us yabber on about things and not know what this means. So, But let's start with Wes, from your point of view, right? So you're looking to get a developer on, onto the team. And obviously, there aren't as many people who, as old as me who are still working who can do, jump in to do that. So what kind of, what kind of struggles do, do you find trying to onboard a developer? Well, well, I think I think you know anyone anyone out out there that that is in um, I don't want to really use the word senior, but in in a in a more experienced position in their career where potentially they're looking to mentor or help talent develop around them. There's quite a few options, and and some something I wanted to bring up, and, and actually it's how Ahmed and I I first met. A lot of the universities, colleges, uh, in, in I think I believe in the US, um, they they run in industry reach out uh, and, and engagement programs. And, and one of the things we did a couple of years ago, uh, I think 2019 prior to lockdown, was we enrolled on um, UCL's uh, industry placement program. And that, that was really exciting for us because one of the things we recognized was Microsoft got this huge shift on very cutting edge technologies. So you know, artificial intelligence is a big thing. The Azure platform growing, new services left, right, and center. And we we felt that one of the avenues of exploration for us was to really sort of look at the graduate level talent and and what 
is the graduate experience like when when you've got these new technologies and um i i spoke to the dean of the faculty at ucl and, and he invited us on to the program and, and and that's a really amazing program because they 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 sort of get some funding from microsoft there's a lot of variety in the types of projects that you can work with students on we we enrolled for an artificial intelligence placement so so we were given um uh, i think second or third year's um, options for, for second year, second year yeah. for students yeah, uh, and Ahmed, Ahmed was heading up a team of the second year student placements we then uh, scoped out a, 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 an engagement where we we supported as a business the the placement students to be given a real world challenge and I think the strength of that UCL program is really they want you to give them a real world problem that the students can approach and then you are leveraging your expertise as a business to provide support onboarding them and actually i was really stoked on how that engagement went the the, the university themselves are super engaging the dean of the faculty it, again was you know spoke to everybody and and i believe you know was very engaged with every project from the big sort of nhs style big microsoft sponsored uh, hololens type stuff right the way down to something quite every day like our project which was you know a conversational ai piece but we looked at that and, and we, we we really wanted to give back as a business and invest in 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 new talent into the industry so that kind of ucl program was 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 kind of a big focus for us and it's and it's where ahmed and i uh, first met and so ahmed from your point of view is there a big difference between real world project experience versus what you're reading in a textbook or doing in the classroom yeah, first of all, it's a bit like what we read in the textbooks or we learn in lectures and all of that. It's more of a theory. like, And you should know how to actually deploy this in a real-life uh, problem. So you just have like the overview in the lectures or textbooks, all of that, the overview or the high-level image or idea of the how you, you can solve this problem or how to approach it. And then uh, in the real life, this is where uh, it gets real, how you should actually deploy your knowledge into this project and uh, solve actually this problem. So as you as Wes said that we met in the uh, in my project, in my second year project, this was my, like my, my first big step into an industry project or working uh, on a real life project. So it was a really uh, exciting thing to do. And also as a project, it was really exciting, like having a chatbot and creating a chatbot. It was really exciting to uh, work on and actually develop it, uh, de develop it. And I was the team leader. So it was a uh, also another responsibility that I had to, to I had to go through it and manage the team and speak with the client which was adding 65 and and was and have weekly meetings with Wes show him the progress uh, and during this during the rest of that uh, during the rest of the week uh, like separating the task and all of that so it was actually it it helped me grow in my in the field that I want to go in and mature how to actually uh, approach a real life project and i think looking back for from my university days i think the the thing that I, I i i really wanted to give back and and why we we invested our time um, at no cost to this ucl program was my university course yes you did a year placement it was sort of semi-funded you did get paid but it wasn't sort of you know a, a vast amount of money 
and companies that you got placed with really just used you as headcount. You weren't really trained. You weren't really doing anything cutting edge. You were just really just there to uh, get something get something day to day done. I didn't really find that very beneficial. In, in you know, at the start of my career, the placement I did uh, didn't really have any resemblance to what I wanted to do. It was just the university had that place, and you had to do an industrial placement to kind of be able to get a job. And I found when I entered the job market, it didn't really count. You know, my industry placement, everyone was like, well, yeah, of course, everybody does industry placement in the third year of university. You take a year out, you do the the industry placement. It wasn't counted as experience. It didn't help me secure a role. And adding 365, I'm always conscious that you don't have to follow the historic trends. You don't have to be, you know, just part of the pack that says, hey, it's always been done this way. So let's carry on doing it. So when we looked at recruitment and how we could grow the team and how we could bring the right talent to support our growth potential this was a you know this was a real key element to me which was you know how how can i use my own lived experience to kind of improve somebody else's and and that's and that's why this 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 program was so exciting because it was it was truly like you are the customer to that team. You're going to go in, you're going to ask them questions, you're going to be um, supportive, you're going to use your technical expertise. But it was also really exciting to watch the dynamics of the of the team that we were allocated. So, you know, Ahmed mentions that he's the team leader. You know, some of the t- members of the team, just like in any everyday role, were less or more experienced than others. And, and watching Ahmed navigating the, you know, the team level of politics was was quite interesting. And, and I know we had a couple of side conversations outside of the room of, you know, techniques to motivate and, and some of those, you know, bouncing of ideas of like, you know, I need this person to do this by this deadline, but they're not really up for it. So, so how can I approach that? And, and, you know, just sharing some softer skills through that through that experience as well just i mean it it gave me a huge energy just at a personal level you know to be able to to impart some of those things because they're not trained skills they're not things that you can just magically study for and and get so yeah it was it was a it was a it's a very different different sort of moment uh in my career and i you know i felt i felt it was very nourishing for you know what what does recruitment look like how do we want to get grow a team and actually brought a lot of insights in back back to my entire team about you know what what is good and we we modified our consulting approach as well in terms of you know how we onboard a consultant and you know it's not a topic for today but there's a again a departure from what in our industry is the normal way of someone progressing we do that very differently because of some of these things that that, that that I learned from this experience, you know, getting to know Ahmed and getting to know the the, the student campus team. So, so one struggle that I it comes to mind to me is you want to you want to engage these the student team to do some work, but yet there's the day job that has to get done and products to ship. So, how did you find an appropriate project for them to work on? So, I I really did look at our roadmap and I said. If if there's a, a deliverable that Paul and Paul and his team are building out, that should be doable at a slower pace because you know I'm expecting less already existing knowledge. But there's no reason why 
other smart people can't you know progress and do that so actually i took one of our roadmap items uh, as a prototype and I, I i pitched it to the team and i said look this is this is the sort of thing i i think would be interesting for you, for you to be involved with what do you think and again oh, oh, ahmed you, you know when we had that conversation i said hey like chatbot and I remember your reaction. It's the same one you visually got on your face right now. Big smiles. Oh, wow. We got, you know, we got something new because it is kind of cool and exciting. What was your reaction when we, 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 I did that initial brief? You know, what was it you took away from that hour session? As I said, like the chatbot world was, was very appealing to me. I always wanted to work on uh, like such a project like AI related or uh, like a first introduction to AI for me. So it was a really good uh, introduction and the brief itself, like, as you said, I, well, I had a huge smile because I, I was actually just wanted to finish this and to actually start working on it and seeing the progress in such project. And other than that, the way that you briefed it actually and pitched it was also more exciting. Like I remember like how we explained it that uh, we need to help people uh, on board using Office 365 technologies and tools such as Teams, OneDrive and SharePoint, all of that. And actually doing that through a chatbot uh, was actually a, like a very uh, big idea which I wanted to actually develop and see how it goes and will it actually be deployed in the real world and seeing it uh, uh, seeing it in real life finally. So you, you get a brief about this thing that we want to build and, and I understand that most people or every, every person learns it in a different fashion. So I mean, how did you go about figuring out what you needed to do and, and learn? What was your, I obviously just share a little bit about your process to get up, to get up to speed and do something productive. So our first meeting with Wes was actually, he briefed us about the, uh, the, the idea and all of that. So my first, uh, my first step was actually asking a lot of questions. I, I don't know if you remember Wes. I asked uh, like a huge amount of questions just to make like, to make sure that this is actually uh, what the client wants, because Wes at that point was my client, so I wanted to know if this is exactly my vision that I'm seeing, how the project will go, this is how he wants, this is the requirements that he needs, and all of that. So it was, first of all, bombarding him with a lot of questions. And then uh, after after the meeting with Wes, I sat, I sat down with the team. We started thinking from our point of view, how like the points that we have to take from this meeting, uh, how we think uh, we should progress, what's the steps we need to take uh, later as a whole team. And in the beginning, it was like a phase of learning, just reading all about chatbots, how it works, uh, reading the documentations about uh, the bot framework and all the tools that we need for our projects, what the skills that we need to actually learn to be able to uh, to uh, work on such project. And also, I had a, another project in C Sharp, so I had a, a good, uh, my, in my, my skills in C Sharp were good, so I just needed to refresh my memory about uh, this language maybe help my my team my my teammates because they didn't work on such with such language or such uh, uh, such language before but was basically reading documentations watching videos and everything that I can learn and finally we had to uh, start the prototyping of course in the beginning and all of that and as a developer you learn on that job so the first part the first part of learning of reading and uh, videos. It was just a small introduction of what we we're gonna start working with, but uh, the rest was actually while coding and while developing. This is the huge part of learning that I've uh, I've had. 
like in the bot uh, in the bot framework you have a lot of steps and all of that so while developing i keep on picking up and going back to us if i have any question of course during our weekly meetings so, so do you think do you think that as a as a developer you have to have a, a like a desire to constantly learn you know you, what's your what's your opinion of you you know the the kind of person that that enjoys developing you know is it some is it somebody that that wants to learn something once and kind of just exercise it over and again or is it you know is it a different different sort of mindset that people need to be good developers so i believe a good developer is someone who loves learning a developer that doesn't constantly uh, add to his portfolio of like knowledge and all of that and tries to always keep up to date will end up himself being uh, like his value will actually diminish because you will become outdated and the field field that we're in moves really fast. So if you're not constantly learning new tools and uh, updating your knowledge and relearning and unlearning some uh, knowledge that you already have, uh, you won't be valuable as any developer that does that. So it's a core part of our our like position or field to constantly learn. Which is, you know, an ongoing struggle, right? So for years and years, I've been involved with training and developing and so on. And, and there's been an ongoing struggle forever that do do you create, everyone wants to see samples. I like to see a sample of how something works. And one school of thought is, well, here's a sample that does everything. And then here's another school of thought that says, we're going to give you 65 different samples and each do one little thing. The, the and, and I guess to your point, the, the, was that something that, Obviously, you want to learn and dig in and dive in and do that, right? So, so are you the type who would say, "Well, give me a sample," or do you just say, "I want to read the read the documentation and hack away myself"? I'm just curious as to your your style. So it depends on the task. Actually, it depends on the task. So some uh, some tasks will require me to actually see a sample, an actual example of uh, what I'm going to be working on, and some other stuff you just. You really just need to learn by your own, see how, like, uh, with your own path and see, have your readings and collect your, uh, the information that you need to actually do the task. So you have to be uh, adaptable at the same time. It depends on the task that you're going to work on. And now another one, again, this is a personal preference for, for developers, but you've been thrown into a bunch of code written by somebody else. So what's, what, give us some experience or, or what have you done to try to figure out what's going on? All right. So my approach was like, so I, I've actually worked out with a lot of code. Like once I started working at adding CS5, that wasn't my code. And I believe this is a very important skill to have to actually be able to pick up a legacy code and understanding it and actually working with it and upgrade, improving it or like to actually uh, accomplish your task. So my, my approach is always, it's always different, depends on the code. So some code just needs me to read uh, so each line searching what this function does, for example, or reading the documentation to actually understand uh, this part of code. Sometimes I need to run the code and see where am I in this code to see what this actually, uh, what this code is actually doing. So it differs, but whatever makes you understand the code is the most important thing. Going through it slowly or running it a couple of times to see where it is or using a debugging debugging code to actually run line by line, uh, debugging tool, I mean, to run by run by line. Or if you know the person that wrote the code, maybe, <laughs> maybe give him a call and ask him about the line that you need. Yeah. So uh, 
depends depends but uh, i believe you have to have to have the skill you, you because you will once you start working in an industry you will this is the first thing you will be working on like legacy code and you have to pick it up and you have to pick it up quickly to actually uh, deliver what you've been asked to do and so Wes, obviously that that'll take a hit on your team's productivity so what, what how do you approach you know making sure we get a new developer to help us out with existing problems firstly I like to think that I take a quite relaxed view of the velocity at that point um, because the strategic investment of growing the team is is a medium to long-term investment. It's not an instant on gratification of we suddenly double our productivity or we develop twice as many products. So the importance of realizing when you will see some benefits from, from the experience that you've brought on and what you're doing is important. I think as a leader in a business, it is um, very dangerous to invest in, in somebody's talent acquisition at the point where they just hit the ground running because you're not going to get the best out of both experiences. You're not going to get the best out of the person. You're not going to get the best out of the team because there is a settling in period. So you need to be kind of relaxed that someone's going to join the team. There is going to be a productivity here. You plan for it because you know in the longer term it's going to be um, more beneficial for, for for you overall. I think as well, uh, you know, Ahmed, you're, you're talking about legacy code. The one thing that always gives me slightly sleepless nights when somebody new joins the team and you know we start having them touch things that already exist is there is this inherent psychology really that a developer will look at someone else's code and it might be three years old so of course the techniques the stuff that and the guidance is three years old and there's a lot of temptation to go hey i i can rewrite this because there's a newer way to do it and you can spin a lot of energy into like rewriting and i think you know if we look at react as a as a very pointed solution if you looked at a, a, a sharepoint frame at 1.3 version of a web part that could be completely commercially stable for three years works beautifully never really had any bugs it's very stable it's very simple just works the temptation is to rock up and go right that needs to be dot 13 it needs to be this it needs to change the hooks and, and again it's helping everybody to to feel empowered to make the right changes understanding the commercial viability of the change and the stability changes and all those kind of things and the learning process and i think one of the important moments that as a team we we established early on was code reviews are not your syntax is right or wrong code reviews are the, the reason it's done the way it's done was for these things. We we could change it. What's the approach? What's the benefit? What's the drawback? And having that discussion, because I think what 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 as a team we're always trying to do, and especially you know in our interactions with 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 Ahmed and and, and other new starters, is there was a reason it's done the way it's done. It might not be valid anymore, and it might be perfectly decent to go and change the decision. But it was thought through. It was implemented in a certain way because that at the point in time was correct. And, and you know, I think any developers listening, you know, to a potential employer, when you're looking at a new role and you're looking at new teams, when you sit in that interview, don't be afraid to articulate the way that you approach that problem space. You know, I'm going to be in legacy code. Let me give you confidence that I'm not going to spend your time and energy 
thrown it all away because I think I can do it better. But I'm going to want to understand why is it working the way it's working? What was the rationale? Why is the product doing the things it's doing? Because actually, as you know, sitting on the interviewer side of the table, that shows a real depth of maturity. And you know, having done over my career quite a number of technical interviews, it's quite a rare skill. To, to be self-critical of actually, you know, I, I can acknowledge that there are some better coders out there. Um, I mean, I don't find it a problem because I know there's plenty of better coders out there. I've been to enough dev kitchens and watched people <laughs> blow my mind with how much the code they can write in three days. Victor springs to mind. I mean, he just basically goes into DevOps and pulls out yeah. 600 lines of lines of products <laughs> that he then slams into into his dev kit demo. Little dig. <laughs> but but you know, it's, it's that it's it's it is a it is a real skill. Uh, to, to it kind of acknowledge and I think you know when you when you're starting in your career you do get a little bit of imposter syndrome you do feel like my code can't be good enough and you know creating a, and cultivating an environment where where, where developer feels that actually that, that you know is okay to say hey there is a better way to do this or actually I'm good with the way it is I'm just gonna just gonna get on with the task so Ahmed you've you've picked up you know you mentioned you picked up a, a lot of that legacy code what was and I, you know, I'm really interested. What was missing? You know, what would have made that easier for you? Like, of course, something that is really obvious is like adding more comments, but it was documented. Everything was documented, but maybe like comments always help. Sometimes like you forget what you, like you wrote this line, but you don't actually remember why did I write this line. So uh, commenting every step maybe would be better. But other than that, I can't like my my part was actually nice because it's actually good because the code was really well well written and it was uh, uh, properly documented and all of that. <laughs> thanks, Wes. Thanks for. <laughs> but uh, I, took a, I took a little virtual bow. I actually apparently managed to write some good code. There we go. Yeah, but uh, was like it wasn't it wasn't that hard to pick it up. But comments will always help. Yeah. But, you know, those comments are there because Paul didn't know what he was doing at the beginning and had to figure it out. So I wanted to interject a little bit, Wes, you mentioned about, you know, imposter syndrome. And, and one th the opposite of that, I think, or, or a corollary, perhaps, for developers listening, you know, it, it's I remember early in my career or middle of my career, I had to learn not to take bugs personally. Or if someone looks at this with a new set of eyes, their, their idea may be different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And so uh, obviously, Avid, I know you haven't been around long enough to, to run into this, but occasionally you get developers who own their code so much they're afraid to let go. And so it's certainly cautionary tale that I can share as, as part of this as well. So as we're nearing the end of our, our half hour here, I'd like both of you to, if you have any any other tips we didn't cover, so we'll start with you, Ahmed. What, what, is there anything in particular you want to share about your experience or something you wish you could do or, or something that was particularly helpful that you could share to folks trying to dive into a new team? Diving into a new team is sometimes overwhelming, actually, as a graduate, it's your first step in the full-time, uh, having a full-time job and uh, actually working in the office. I believe uh, I was very lucky with my with my first job, of course, having a, a starting in the office that I already was familiar with and was actually feeling comfortable with. I already worked with them, with uh, like most of the people in the office. So uh, I didn't have this uh, fear of uh, first day or anything like that. Uh, but I was like, like it was more excitement than, than anything other. I believe you shouldn't, you sh that 
the beginning should always be for God which like to understand the environment, understand his situation that he's starting in the new office and all of that and always taking like not pressure him a lot with uh, a lot of works and thank God for me the first uh, first time was actually perfect perfect amount of learning, perfect amount of tasks that I needed to uh, at the same time not being bored at work or anything like that but actually think that I'm learning with a good pa- good pa- path uh, path I mean and not uh, being uh, pressured or anything like that or stressed which can actually push me away from uh, uh, from what I want to uh, do this is like uh, I think this is a, a, an advice for like the introduction of any uh, new employee in the especially a graduate for example yeah I think the second what Ahmed's really just said it, it's you know as 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 a, as a team leader as someone that hopefully your team look up to it, it's about paying it back it's about paying back all of those moments where someone taught you and and what you liked about that experience and actually you know just taking that forward and and being a better leader in your team there's always commercial pressure there's always time pressures but you you know you have to be really careful to, to to make sure people people are, are getting the onboarding are getting the the, the right ways of working embedded that, that that help them be successful and everybody's different and i think recognizing that you know some people they like those big all-encompassing massive code projects throw them in the deep end they feel comfortable others want to understand everything intellectually before opening visual studio so it's a uh, you know, it's a real leadership challenge when you've got lots of different personalities, different experience styles, making sure that you're giving everybody the, the, the stimulus and the nourishment they need to kind of be themselves. You know, controversially, I know there's a massive kind of desire for many to now work at home as a full-time thing, but I think the in-office experiences can help drastically shorten the time that somebody feels settled you know, it doesn't have to be five days a week, but I think the time that our team get a little whiteboard, we intellectualize the problem, we talk about code, we talk about new things in the in the ecosystem, and we have those conversations. That collaborative experience just doesn't kind of come across as well in a kind of remote only te- technology led kind of experience. So, so again, you know, it's I think if you're if you're really looking to grow talent, you've got to you've got to recognize that it's not a one size fits all and it's not a consistent one size fits all. You know, you do ebb and flow in things you do, you do ebb and flow in places you do them um, to get the best out of your team and, and the people around you. Fine words. I love it. So just to catch up. So if folks want to have questions and want to reach out. Uh, so Wes, uh, how, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you in the social media? Uh, just at Wes Hackett, which is my, my Twitter handle. That's 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 the best way to, to kind of reach out and, and, you know, post questions. If you disagree with something, you want to have a bit of a debate. Absolutely welcome that sort of conversation. And how about you, Ahmed? Um, uh, very open to receive any message on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Ahmed Al Hawazi. So, um, like anyone who has any question about being uh, a developer in an Office 365 environment or uh, in bo- onboarding in such environment, I'm really open f- to help him actually have uh, maybe a call or anything like that. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, both of you. And for our listeners, this will be the end of our, our 2021 stuff. So we'll listen to or catch you guys on the, the new year. And thanks uh, all for listening. And thanks, you two, for coming back on. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thanks 
for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 